Chapter 26 of Book of the Foundations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Book of the Foundations by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated by the Reverend John Dalton. Chapter 26. Being at St. Joseph's Monastery at Avila, ready to depart for the foundation at Vias, already mentioned, and nothing being wanted but to provide what was necessary for the journey, there came an express messenger, whom a lady sent from Caravaca, whose name was Doña Catalina. Three young ladies, being moved by a sermon they heard a father of the Society of Jesus preach, had come to her house determined not to leave it till a monastery had been erected in the same place. The matter had no doubt been arranged with this lady, who was the same that assisted them in the foundation. They were descended from the principal noblemen of that town. The father of one, named Rodrigo de Moya, was a great servant of God, and very prudent. They had amongst them the means of undertaking such a work, and they had received some information of what our Lord had done in the foundation of these monasteries, being informed by some fathers of the Society of Jesus. When I saw the desire and fervor of these souls, and that they had sent from such a distance to find out the order of Our Lady, I was much edified, and desired to second their good intentions. Being informed that the town was near Vias, I took with me more nuns than usual, because, according to the letters I received, it seemed an easy matter to settle the business. When I had finished the foundation of Vias, I intended to go to Caravaca. But as our Lord had resolved otherwise, my plans availed but little, as I have mentioned in the foundation of Seville. For they had obtained the license from the Council of Orders, in such a manner, that for the present I deferred the journey, though I was resolved to go there. It is indeed true, that when I inquired at Vias what distance the place was, and discovered it was so far off, and the road to it so bad, that those who went to visit the nuns would have to endure much trouble, and that it might also give offence to superiors. I had but little desire to go and found a monastery there. But as I had given the ladies good hopes, I requested Father Julian de Avila and Antonio Gayton to go there and see how matters stood, and if they thought proper, to break off the business. They found matters very dull, not on the part of those who wished to be nuns, but on the side of Doña Catalina, who managed the whole affair, and kept the ladies in a room to themselves, as if they were in a monastery enclosed. They continued so firm, and especially the two, who were admitted to the religious, that they knew how to gain the good will both of Father Julian de Avila and Antonio Gayton, and before they departed, they drew up the deeds, leaving them much pleased and the father spoke so well of them and the place, that I no longer thought the road was bad. When I saw the matter already settled, and the license only wanted, I sent again good Antonio Gayton, who for my sake willingly endured all the trouble, and they both wished the foundation to be made. The truth is, this foundation may be attributed to them, because if they had not gone there and settled the business, I could have done but little. I told Antonio to go and put up a wheel and some grates, in order that possession might be taken, and the nuns be there, till a more convenient house could be found. He remained there several days, negotiating the business, 
and Rodrigo de Moya, who was, as I mentioned, the father of one of the ladies, very willingly gave us a part of his house. When they had obtained the license, and I was on the point of setting out for the place, I learnt that there was a clause in the deeds, which made the house subject to the commendadores, and the nuns were to yield them obedience, which could not be done, the monastery being of the order of Our Lady of Carmel, and thus we were obliged to obtain a new license, as was the case in the foundation of Vias. But the king favored me so much, that on writing to him, he commanded it should be granted. He is at present Don Philip the Second, a great friend of those who observe the rules of their profession, and as he knew our way of life in these monasteries, and that we observed the primitive rule, he favored us in everything, and on this account, daughters, I beseech you always to pray in particular for his majesty, as we do now. As another journey had to be made for a license, I departed for Seville by command of the Father Provencial, who was then, as now, Fray Geronimo Gratian de la Madre de Dios, and the poor young women remained shut up till the first day of the following year, for they sent the message to me at Avila the preceding February. The license was soon obtained, but as I was so far off and so full of troubles, I could not assist them, and sincerely did I pity them, for they often wrote to me in great trouble, so that it seemed I could no longer put them off. But it was impossible for me to go then, both on account of the distance and because the foundation at Seville was not yet finished. Fray Geronimo Gratian, who was apostolic visitor, resolved accordingly that the nuns who were to found the monastery should go there, though I went not. And these nuns were then in St. Joseph's at Malagon. I settled that one should go as prioress, who I was confident would act well, for she is much better than I am, and taking everything necessary, they departed with two of our discalced fathers, for Father Julian de Avila and Antonio Gayton had several days before returned to their own part of the country, and the distance being so great, and the season so inclement, being at the end of December, I did not wish to send for them. When the nuns arrived, they were received with great joy by the people, and especially by those ladies who lived in enclosure. They founded the monastery, having placed therein the most blessed sacrament on the Feast of the Circumcision in the year 1576. The same day two of the ladies took the habit, the other being given to melancholy, and perhaps her being so confined increased the evil. How much more would our austerity and penance have done so? Returned home to be with a sister of hers. Behold, my daughters, the judgments of God, and the obligations we have to serve him, who hath allowed us to persevere till we made our profession, and to live continually in the house of God, as daughters of the Blessed Virgin, our Lady. Our Lord was pleased to make use of the good intentions of this young lady, and of her property for the foundation of the monastery, and at the time when she was about to enjoy what she had so long desired, her courage failed her, and melancholy seized her, on which, daughters, we often lay the blame of our inconstancy and imperfections. May his divine majesty be pleased to bestow his abundant grace upon us, for having this, nothing will be able to hinder us from advancing in his service, and may he protect and assist us all. This so good a beginning may not be lost by our neglect, a beginning which he was so pleased should commence, by women so inconsiderable as we are. In his name I beg you, my sisters and daughters, 
that every one of those who shall succeed be careful, that in them may be renewed the primitive rule of the order of the Blessed Virgin, Our Lady, and that no relaxation therein be allowed on any account. Consider, that from very small things, a door may be opened to very great disorders, and that without your perceiving it, the world may enter into you. Remember that what you now enjoy with pleasure was obtained by poverty and labors, and if you consider the subject well, that these houses were for the most part founded, not by men, but by the powerful hand of God, and that his divine majesty is very desirous of advancing the works he undertakes, if we put no obstacle in the way. How, think you, could such a poor creature as I am have been able to undertake such great works, being under obedience, having but one farthing, and without a friend to assist me in anything? My brother, who assisted me in the foundation of Seville, and he had some property, and courage, and a good soul to assist me a little, was then in the Indies. Observe, my daughters, observe the hand of God, for he did not do me this honor, because of our noble blood. On whatever side you consider the matter, you will find it to be the work of God. It is not proper then that we should in any way diminish our rule, even should it cost us our life our honor, our rest, because here we have all these united together, and life consists in living in such a manner as not to fear death, nor all the accidents of life, and in continuing in that constant cheerfulness which you now possess, as well as in that prosperity, greater than which you cannot have, namely, not fearing property, yea, even desiring it, and what can be compared with that interior and exterior peace, in which you always live? It is in your own power to live and die in this peace, as you have seen them die, who ended their lives in these houses. If you continually beg of God to carry this business forward, and put no confidence in yourselves, he will not deny you his mercies, if you confide in him, and be courageous, for our Lord is fond of courageous souls. Fear not the want of anything, and never neglect to receive those who come to be nuns, if their desires and abilities please you, and they come, not to benefit themselves, but to serve God in greater perfection, because they have no fortunes, though they have virtues. If you receive them, God on the other side will send you double what you stand in need of. In this matter I have great experience. His Majesty knows well that, as far as I can remember, I have never neglected receiving any one for such a defect, provided that I approved anything else in the person. The many individuals who have been received purely for God's sake are witnesses of this, as you yourselves know. I assure you that those whom I received with large incomes have not given me so much pleasure as those whom I took solely for God's sake. Nay, I had fears for them, while the poor have enlarged my heart, and given me such great pleasure as to make me weep for joy. This is the truth. If, then, when houses were to be purchased or built, he helped us so well, why should he not do the same also, after we have sufficient to live on? Believe me, daughters, by what you think to gain, you will lose." And when she who has wealth comes to be a nun, if she have no other obligations, she does well to bestow it in alms on you. For why should she give it to others, who perhaps do not stand in need of it? 
I acknowledge that to me it would seem like an act of unkindness, if she did not. But ever take that she who becomes a nun, always dispose of her property, according as prudent persons shall advise her, for thus she will be doing God more service, and it would be very wrong in us to accept the property of any one, except for this end. We gain more if she perform her duty to God, I mean with greater perfection, than by all the money she can bring with her, since we have no other object in view, and may God ever suffer it to be so, that his majesty be served in all things and by all things. And though I am a miserable and wicked wretch, I speak it to his honor and glory, that you may rejoice in the manner in which these, his houses, were founded, neither in the management of them nor in anything concerning them. Would I have done any unlawful action by turning aside from intention? Even if I thought I should not succeed in any of the undertakings, nor have I done anything, I mean in these foundations, which I thought would in the least degree be against the will of God. For I conform myself to the advice of my confessors, who have always been, since I was engaged in these undertakings, very learned men, and servants of God, as you know. Nor do I remember any other thought coming into my mind. Perhaps I deceive myself, and may have done many things which I do not remember, for my imperfections are numberless. This our Lord knows, who is a true judge. I speak of myself as far as I can understand. And I also very plainly see that this does not come from me, but from God's good pleasure, who wishes the work should be done. And as it was his own, he assisted me, and did me this favor. And for this purpose I mention it, daughters, that you may know how indebted you are to him, and that these houses have not been founded to any one's inconvenience. May he be blessed who hath done all, and excited the charity of those persons who have assisted us. May his majesty ever protect us and grant us grace, that we may never be ungrateful for so many favors. Amen. You have now heard, daughters, some of the trials which have been endured, though I think what I have mentioned are the least, for were I to mention all in detail, you would be tired out, both of journeys, of rains, of snows, of losing our way, and above all, I often had such poor health, that it sometimes happened, I know not if I have mentioned this, as in the first day's journey, when we went from Malaga to Vias, I traveled with a fever on me, and had besides so many other afflictions together, that I was astonished how I could proceed. And seeing myself in this state, I remembered our father Elias, how when he was fleeing from Jezebel, he said, O oh Lord, how can I bear this? Do thou consider it. The truth is, that when his majesty saw me so weak, he immediately took away my fever and pain, though I thought at first that this happened so, because a priest, a servant of God, came there to me, and perhaps he might be the cause. However, at that time all my pains, both exterior and interior, left me. Having my health again, I cheerfully endured corporeal labors, but bearing with the different dispositions of many persons, as I was obliged to do in every place, was no small trouble. Leaving also my sisters and daughters, when I was going from one place to another, was, I tell you, no small cross, as I loved them so much, and especially when I considered I should see them no more, and perceive their tears and great grief, though they were weaned from all other things, 
yet our Lord had not given them this insensibility, perhaps that so it might be a greater torment to me, for I was not weaned from them, though I strove all I could not to show my feelings, and even reprimanded the nuns. Yet all was of little use, because the love they have for me is great, and is known by many proofs to be sincere. You should moreover know, that these houses were erected, not only by the leave of our most reverend father general, but also by his command. And not only this, but he also wrote to me, that from every monastery which was founded, he received the greatest pleasure, the above mentioned being all erected. And truly, the greatest joy I felt in my troubles was to see the pleasure I gave him. For it seemed to me that, he being my superior, I was serving our Lord when I served him. And besides, I had a great regard for him. Whether his majesty was pleased to give me some rest, or the devil was enraged because so many houses were founded wherein our Lord was served, I know not. It is well known, that this did not happen by the wish of our father general, for when I begged him not to command me to found any more monasteries, not long since, he wrote to me, saying, that I should found as many as I had hairs on my head. Before I left Seville after a general chapter had been held, wherein it would seem that he would do a service to the order who should extend it, there came a command from the chapter, not only that I must found no more monasteries, but that I should choose a convent and live in it, without going out of it under any pretext, which would be a kind of prison. There is no nun whom, on occasions necessary for the good of the order, the provincial may not command to go from one place to another, I mean from one monastery to another. But the worst was, our father general was now displeased with me without any reason, and this it was that grieved me, except from the charges of some passionate persons. And with this, they also brought other very serious accusations against me. I tell you these things, sisters, that you may see the mercy of God, and how His Majesty ever protects those who wish to serve Him. For this not only not troubled me, but gave me so great joy that I could hardly contain myself, so that I wondered not at what King David did, when he danced before the ark of the Lord. For at that time I wished not to do anything else in my joy, and knew not how to conceal it. The reason hereof I understand not, for in other great troubles and contradictions in which I have been, the like never happened to me, for every one of the charges they made against me was most serious. But accepting the displeasure of our most reverend father general, the command not to found any more houses was a great relief to me, for often did I desire to end my days in quiet, although those did not intend this who gave the command, but rather they thought to send me the greatest afflictions in the world, However, they perhaps had other good intentions. Sometimes, also, the great contradictions and injuries I had to endure in the business of founding the monasteries, some acting with good intentions, and others with different, gave me great joy. But I remember not in any affliction which happened, ever to have experienced such great joy as I did on this occasion. I acknowledge that, at any other time, any one of the three charges brought against me would have troubled me exceedingly. I think that my great joy arose from my imagining that, since creatures had treated me thus, I placed all my hope and joy in my Creator. For I am convinced, that whoever takes delight in earthly things, or in earthly applause, will be deceived, because of the little benefit there is to be found in them. Men are of one mind today, and of another tomorrow, 
and if at one time they praise, they soon condemn. Blessed be thou, O Lord, my God, who art unchangeable for ever and ever. Amen. Whoever serves thee to the end shall live without end in thy eternity. I began to write these foundations by the command of Dr. Ripalda of the Society of Jesus, as I mentioned in the beginning, who was then rector of the college at Salamanca, and who at that time was my confessor. While living in the monastery of the glorious St. Joseph in that city, in the year 1573, I wrote some of the foundations, and then, on account of my numerous occupations, I left them off, and did not intend to go on any more with them, because Dr. Ripalda was not then my confessor, and we were in different parts, and also on account of the great trouble which what I have already written has cost me, although having always acted by the command of my superior in obedience, I consider all my time to have been well employed. But the Father Commissary Apostolic, who was now Fray Geronimo Gratian de la Madre de Dios, being determined to have them written, commanded me to finish them. I told him the little leisure I had, and gave other reasons that presented themselves to me, for I spoke as a very disobedient child, and besides the other troubles I endured, writing these foundations tried me very much. However, he commanded me to finish them little by little, as I could, and so I have done, submitting myself and everything to those who may expunge what they consider amiss, for what seems to me the best may prove the worst. And thus I have finished this day, being the vigil of St. Eugenius, and the 14th of November, 1576, in St. Joseph's Monastery of Toledo, where I now am, by the command of Dr. Geronimo Gratian de la Madre de Dios, who is now the commissary apostolic, and is at present the superior of the discalced nuns and friars of the primitive rule. He is likewise visitor of those belonging to the mitigated rule in Andalusia, to the glory and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth for ever and ever. Amen. For the love of our Lord, I entreat the sisters who shall read this book to recommend me to our Lord, that he may take pity on me and free me from the pains of purgatory, and that I may enjoy his presence in heaven, if I deserve to go there. And because while I am alive you cannot see this book, May I derive some benefit after my death for all the trouble I have had in writing it, and the great desire I had, while writing it, to say something which would give you consolation, if your superiors think proper to let you read it. Being at St. Joseph's in Avila, on the vigil of Pentecost, in the Hermitage of Nazareth, considering a great favor our Lord had bestowed on me on that day, about twenty years since, a strong impulse and fervor of spirit seized me, and threw me into a rapture. In this state I heard from our Lord what I will now relate. I was ordered to tell the Discalce Fathers from him, that they should endeavor to observe four things, which while they observed, this order would go on increasing. But if they failed to do so, they would then know they had fallen away from their primitive rule. The first was, that the superiors should all be united. The second, that though it may be necessary to have many convents, yet in each there should be but few friars. The third, that they should converse but little with seculars, and that little only for the good of their souls. And fourthly, that they should teach more by works than by words. This was in the year 1579, and for greater confirmation of the truth, 
I hereby affix my name, Teresa de Jesus. End of chapter 26